Today, we're going to take a look at a report on where the cannabis industry is at, the state of legalization. Industry is going to add $100 billion to the economy this year. So we're going to dive into a few reports about what all of that means coming up. It's only entertainment. Welcome back to The Talking Hedge. I'm Josh Kincaid, Capital Markets Analyst and host of your Cannabis Business Podcast. Just as a recap, we saw ballot measures in 2020 that regulated adult use cannabis in Arizona, New Jersey, and Montana, and state legislatures in New York and Virginia, New Mexico, and Connecticut passed bills in 2021. So that means as the world is about to celebrate 710, we're bringing the tally of total regulated states to 18 plus DC. There are currently 37 states that have medical marijuana laws, including all that allow recreational use. Uh, Developments that we're kind of seeing across the East Coast, a lot of uh, states over there are launching and some are kind of trying to take a step back. South Dakota is trying to follow suit with Montana of having voter registration approved cannabis and then one individual in office trying to remove all of that. So South Dakota, they had recreation and medical use cannabis in 2020, but the state Supreme Court ruled that the ballot measure on recreational cannabis was invalid for technical reasons after a complaint was funded by the governor. Regardless, the cannabis impact is going to be uh, quite significant, looking at $100 billion added to the U.S. global economy between 2021 and 2026. When considering whether to approve regulated cannabis, advocates are touring the broader economic benefits. It used to be that the children, remember Charlotte's Web, the kids weren't getting uh, seizures as much. Now it's really about the money. Times have changed. You're looking at the the recession that I've been calling for the the last four years. You can't continuously print money and not expect that inflation to come back to you. I want to check out some podcasts I did just a couple of years ago talking about all of that and what's happening right now. Again, you can't just have quantitative easing, print money, and not expect that inflation to come back home, especially when the petrodollar is no longer in existence. Germany, one of our number one allies, is buying Russian gas with ruples. So if you don't know what the petrodollar is and you don't understand inflation, watch some of those videos uh, a couple of years later, all of that is starting to come to fruition. Uh, but those that have been watching the talking hedge aren't surprised, or at least you shouldn't be. Back to the benefits, the impacts exceeding tax dollars in Washington state. We saw that this year with cannabis exceeding cannabis sales tax exceeding that of liquor sales. So already seeing the benefits, economic benefits, uh, and total economic impact of sales that is supposed to reach $99 billion, up more than 20% from last year. Cannabis industry encompasses agriculture and manufacturing, retail activity, and some markets it includes events and hospitality. Now in Washington State, it's a Class C felony to maintain and operate a marijuana lounge, which includes events and hospitality, but those tend to have a higher economic impact than other industries. So for example, when you look at natural parks, a natural park has a multiplier of six, whereas the hemp industry has a a multiplier of 1.9. So the economic impact of the cannabis industry is not the same as supply chain revenue that's often used as estimates for total size of an industry, but the economic multiplier is painting a picture of the impact of the industry on a broader economy. So in this case, for every $10 consumers and patients spend at cannabis retail locations, an additional $18 will be injected into the economy, much of that at the local level. We're not going to see cannabis legalization this year 
probably not until uh, 2025. I'm guessing one year after the next election cycle. So we still have a few more years at the earliest, in my opinion, when we're going to see that. The bulk of the industry is going to have is going to be driven by a forecast period that's going to come from the East Coast as Western uh, states are maturing or they're even saturated. If you look at some spots like um, Oregon, which um, Oklahoma is going to be twice as bad as that eventually. Uh, It's also Pride Month. So we're going to talk about uh, LGBTQ consumers that uh, are overrepresented compared to the general population represent an interesting need state targeting opportunities for cannabis brands. Starting off by the market size, looking at the end of 2022, reaching $30 billion in annual sales, according to the Brightfield Group. Uh, they believe that's going to grow to $51 billion by 2027. That's half of what the uh, MJ BizCon or MJ Business Daily is projecting. Uh, medical sales in the U.S. forecasted to reach $11.8 billion annually by the end of this year. And then the U.S. cannabis market as a whole expected to experience a compounded annual growth rate of about 11.5%. Medical cannabis products currently legal in 37 states and another six have programs that are allowing for low THC products. And by the end of 2027, six additional states are expected to fully legalize and implement sales of medical cannabis. Four markets are expected to have at least a billion dollars. That's Florida, Pennsylvania, Oklahoma, and California. Adult use cannabis products are now legalized in 18 plus D.C., and eight more expected to pass adult use by 2027, mostly in the East Coast. And uh, yet to be launched, markets are expected to to be over 40% of sales by 2027. We'll be doing a pot shop crawl in Chicago in September, as well as New Jersey and New York. We'll be back in Vegas uh, doing some more stores there. So you want to check out some pot shop crawls as you kind of check out what the local markets are doing, what they're offering, what everything looks like. Um, typically when I do 20 stores on 420, two years later, those sales prices end up being the everyday low price two years later. So kind of gives me an idea where people are at, what the market's looking like. So check out some of those pot shop crawls. Looking at landscape for the East Coast on track to be the first fully regulated adult use coast in the country, leapfrogging the West as of 2022 annual adult sales in that region are just $2 billion, but expected to reach almost 11 billion by 2027. Medical cannabis sales are expected to decline slightly over that forecasted period, just like every other medical cannabis. Um, Again, it doesn't make sense for people to spend money on a medical card when the discounts are so low. So you're going to go in there and get 10% off. That's not going to, you're not going to break even on, on your medical card. So most people don't get medical cards, myself included. Until we can get, you know, a co-op or farmers markets where, you know, I'm not paying $1,800 for a pound at a farmers market, which is stupid. Um, prices need to come way down compared to what retail. Otherwise, people aren't going to do medical. Yes, the the quality is better and and all of those things. However, it really comes down to price and convenience. Um, East Coast expected to have a compounding annual growth rate of 22.6%. That's going to be the fastest growing area in the U.S. over the next five years. In-state resident purchases are expected to constitute well over 80% of revenue, whereas Maine, Massachusetts, New Jersey, Vermont, those should be buoyed by visiting consumers or tourists. Hopefully that's not going to be as bad as what Vegas experienced when tourism just essentially stopped. 20% of cannabis consumers identify as bisexual, gay, or lesbian, or other, according to Gallup. And consumers have lower to middle income, skew younger, and are uh, 
more often women, LGBTQ consumers are more likely to consume multiple times per day compared to their cisgender counterparts, and they remain more likely to consume broader range of products compared to industry benchmarks. See what people are smoking. Strains are crucial in determining consumer outcomes and inhalable products like vapes and concentrates and flower top five growing strains. Looks like a black domina is number one. Sweet tooth is number one. Gorilla glue is number three. Purple tie, number four. And then chem dog, number five. Interesting that Blue Dream is nowhere on there. That was the number one strain for a long time. Wedding cake was really popular. Um, I don't really see anything on there that has been... I mean, Gorilla Glue is the only thing I've seen that's had consistent uh, popularity. I ask bud tenders every time I go into the store, what is their favorite product, uh, favorite strain? What's the most um, number one product being sold? And get um, a lot of strain information. And, and these are... None of these strains are uh, what I typically encounter. So I find this interesting. In the absence of federal legalization, descheduling cannabis can still represent regulatory advances without an onset. In the absence of federal legalization, descheduling cannabis can still present regulatory advances without onerous taxation, a boon especially to Eastern markets that are just launching their new market. Fully legalization in the Eastern Bloc is going to see out-of-state sales plummet to only about 20% of each state's total sales. And that's responding well to each other's state's consumer needs. That's going to dictate winners and losers in those markets as out-of-state supporters dwindle down. Brands are, are set to take the lead across all markets and those that can stand out from the competition through unique product features or special needs or occasions or targeting or specialty those are going to be the winners. Heavy consumers typically consume a wide variety of products than non-daily cannabis consumers. And so branded houses could help foster loyalty with those types of consumers. I would probably disagree with that and say that people who consume a lot want the same thing, want consistency. And that's really hard to find. Um, I cannot find a, a brand in Washington that consistently puts out the same strain over and over. It's really frustrating. So um, I'm going to be changing up the way that, that I consume. I've been consuming cannabis for 26 years and I'm, I'm tired of it. I'm over it. I'm tired of the inconsistency on producers. I'm tired of the inconsistency on strain and availability. So um, I don't know what that means. I just know that I'm going to be changing the way I consume. I'm taking a 30 day hiatus right now. I do that every year to bring my tolerance down and remind myself that I could quit. Normally I do it in October. Uh, but, uh, MJ BizCon was last October. And so I'm using that opportunity now before I fly overseas, I'm going to be in, in France for an event for two weeks. So rather than freak out, <laughs> not using cannabis, I'm doing it two weeks before. And then when I get back after my month long hiatus, I'm going to reintroduce cannabis in a different way. I don't really know what that means yet. Um, I might mess around with Delta eight and see what that does to me. I've never tried it before. Um, but if I can get, I, I don't really like isolates. I don't, I hate distillates. I don't like isolates. Um, actually I hate them both. <laughs> uh, so I'm not sure what I'm going to do. I just know that the inconsistency and lack of availability of things, um, are a frustration for me and many other people in the industry. And until they can figure that out, a lot of people won't switch from alcohol to cannabis until they can have consistency and routine availability. And that's not a thing. And I find that very frustrating. How do you guys feel about it? With that, we're going to roll this one up. I'm Josh Kincaid. This is The Talking Hedge. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe, or don't, and I'm out. Don't forget to smash that like button on your way out and check out these other videos that we've got.
Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hi, it's Justin Benton, host of the Miracle Plant Podcast, where we discuss this miracle plant that goes by so many names and how it's helping people in so many extraordinary ways. So if you love this plant and you want to hear a story that tugs on those heartstrings and learn more about this plant, then head on over to the Miracle Plant Podcast. You'll be glad you did.